struck the woman, you've struck a rock, you'll die. It's been a year of shocking testimonies. More and more women around the world are speaking up about their experiences with sexual assault and harassment since the Me Too movement began in October 2017. If you see all around us, there are men sitting everywhere, but you don't see any women sitting, just hanging out. Now, or maybe even after 7.30 in the evening, you don't really get to see a lot of just women walking. From Hollywood to Paris and the streets of Istanbul, stretching back decades. From the union buildings in Pretoria, South Africa, to the streets of Mumbai, India. Women have been protesting various issues such as sexism, gender-based violence, gender inequality, and corrupt political systems. Apartheid in South Africa and Jim Crow laws in the U.S. are examples of these. Women around the world have campaigned for equal rights to vote, and the first nation to fully adopt women's suffrage was Norway in 1913. One thing that has been illustrated throughout history is that there is great power in the collective voices of women and men who stand up against issues of inequality, including gender inequality, the collective power of showing up. Welcome. I am Tombini Marangani, the new host of this podcast. I am a senior manager at the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship, which is based at the UCT Graduate School of Business. In season three of Just for a Change podcast, I have conversations with changemakers from South Africa and further afield. We hear from innovators, social entrepreneurs, industry leaders, activists, and more about the work they do and what makes them tick. We'll find out how they keep the fire burning when it comes to tackling some of the most, to use a systems change phrase, wicked problems facing the world today. Fortune magazine published an article in 2020 titled The Difference Between Gender Equity and Equality and Why It Matters. The author of the article, Dr. Agnes Binaguaho, Vice Chancellor of the University of Global Health Equity in Rwanda, wrote the piece you'll hear shortly. I've asked my daughter Pila to read it as a future fighter for gender equity and equality. This is her future we're talking about. While gender equality is simply focused on providing men and women with the same equal opportunities, like making it legal for women to own land or even attend school. Gender equity works to correct the historical wrongs that have left women behind, such as restrictions on employment. According to the latest Global Gender Gap Report 2022, published in June by the World Economic Forum, it will take another 132 years to reach gender parity. For this reason, gender equality and equity are issues that we need to focus on and to do the work in our homes, places of work, communities and nations. We simply cannot afford to forget the collective power of showing up. Someone who has grasped this truth and is no stranger to getting public attention when it comes to working towards gender equality and equity is Neha Singh. Neha is a theater maker, author, and campaigner from India who encourages women to ignore harassment and take up more space in public. 
Neha is the changemaker joining me for today's conversation, and it's a great privilege for me to welcome her. Just a note that the nature of recording online means that we sometimes have internet glitches and can't always control the sound quality or noises in the background of recordings. Neha, thank you so much for joining me today. Reading your biography is inspiring. You're an author and a theater maker, and you were also included in the BBC's Top 100 Women Who Have Made a Positive Impact on the World in 2016 for your work on the hashtag Why Loiter movement. From what I understand, you were inspired to start the movement after reading a book of the same name by three Mumbai-based women, Shilpa Fadke, Samira Khan, and Shilpa Ranade. Can you tell us a bit more about what the Why Loiter movement entails and what inspired you to start it? Um, <clears throat> so, as you might be aware, in 2012, there was uh, a very brutal gang rape and murder of a girl in New Delhi. And at that time, a lot of ministers and a lot of people said that, you know, what was she doing out at 9 p.m. watching a movie? She should have been at home. She was being too reckless and too adventurous. And a lot of women and men, um, you know, from all um, walks of life felt very angered. Uh, so I was one of them and we were protesting in different cities across India. And as a theater maker, I'd also, uh, I was also involved in a protest play that a few of us created. And we were, you know, going around the whole country doing shows of that. But I did feel like I needed to do something that was more sustainable, that was more personal, uh, and that I could do as part of my daily life. And just around that time in 2014, I happened to read a book called Why Loiter, uh, which has been written by Shilpa, Shilpa and Samira. And this book um, basically says that For women uh, to access public spaces the way that men do, we have to stop justifying why we are outside, which is what we do our entire lives, you know. Uh, oh, I'm out because I have to go to college. I'm out because I'm going to school or I'm buying vegetables or I'm out with my family or, you know, I'm going from one place to another. But we are never really out just to be out and loiter without any purpose, without any justification. Whereas for the men in India, at least, and in other countries, I'm sure, they never have to justify why they are outside in a public space doing nothing. Uh, so the book kind of said that to make public spaces safer for women and to kind of normalize the sight of women in public spaces, women have to come out and do nothing and not justify why we are outside. So that book really spoke to me because I, till then I was considering myself to be a very independent, educated, progressive, feminist woman. But to be honest, even I had never done what the book was suggesting. I was always coming out in public spaces for a reason and not being out there, you know, just to be. So I never really thought of it as a campaign or a movement or something to involve other people in it. But I just wanted to do it for myself to change my own conditioning and to change the way that I had been brought up. Um, and, and of course, the way society nurtures you in a way as a woman in India. So I remember that first Sunday uh, in May 2014, I just uh, told my flatmate at that time, Devina, 
that, you know, I've read this amazing book and it says that to make places safer for women, women just need to go out and do nothing. And uh, I'm going to try that. And if you're interested, you can come with me. So I'm just going to go to a park and I'll sit there and do nothing. So she was like, okay, it sounds bizarre, but okay, I'll, I'll come with you. Uh, so the two of us, we went to a park and uh, we just sat there and did absolutely nothing. Like we did not listen to music. We did not read any book. We did not buy any tea or coffee or anything to eat. We just sat there and just stared at the sky and just chatted. And to our surprise, uh, it was like a very problematic uh, thing for people around us. They couldn't digest it, that they are just these two girls sitting here doing nothing. So the throw right from the gardener to the security guard to everybody else in the park, they kept coming and asking us, why are you here? Why are you here? You should go home. You should go home. Uh, you know, if you are here in the park, you should at least exercise or do yoga or you know do jogging or something like why are you just sitting here doing nothing and that's when we realized that oh my god this is actually like such a political statement for women to do nothing uh which we had not realized till then so we just had fun and we we did not bother about all those people who were staring at us and telling us to go home and we kept sitting there enjoying ourselves and we clicked a lot of selfies and photos like regular people and uh, we posted them on social media and we hashtagged it Violoiter. And then much to our surprise, a lot of other women were like, wow, this looks like so much fun. And what is this place that you went to? And what were you guys doing there? Nothing. You were doing nothing. That's amazing. That's so cool. We want to come with you. And we were like, okay, fine, we'll do it again. And then, then we did it again and then more women joined us and then we did it again and then more women joined us. And that's how it kept on building. And then the more women that joined us, they had new ideas. Okay, let's do cycling or let's sleep in the park or, you know, let's go uh, walk in midnight because I've never done that. Or let's take the last bus back home. So a lot of new ideas kept coming from different people who joined us and we kept incorporating those ideas. And basically we never stopped. Uh, so now it's been eight years and uh, we've been doing nothing. You talk about doing different activities in the park or potentially doing different activities uh, while you're out taking up space. Why did you specifically choose to start doing it at night? Oh, uh, well, initially we were doing it in the daytime. Um, but then after about two, three months, uh, one of, uh, one of the participants, her name is Archana. She said, you know, it's like my dream, uh, to just walk in the night because I've never done that in my life. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, I've done that with family and, you know, with husband and father and brother and all that, but never like alone. And when, when I say alone in India, even if there are 100 women, we are still alone because we are all women. <laughs> so even if there is one man, you are with somebody. But if you are 100 women, then you're, oh, you're all alone? How all 100 of you? Uh, so it's bizarre like that. Uh, so she suggested this and we were like, okay, let's do this. 
So then the next time we planned it uh, like a midnight walk. So we met at 12 in the night and then we walked till about four in the morning. And for all of us, it was the first time that we were experiencing our city, you know, just outside in the night when there's no traffic, when the sun isn't, you know, harsh. And it was so much fun. It was so enjoyable because in a city like Mumbai, which is super crowded and there's so much traffic, that's the only time that that it's actually kind of peaceful and quiet and there's no traffic. Uh, but what we didn't realize was that all the people who had such a problem with us doing nothing in the daytime, uh, that kind of increased 10 times when we were doing it in the nighttime. Can you share what some of the reactions were that you experienced while loitering at night? Uh, so we had many uh, boys following us uh, on foot, in cars, a lot of auto rickshaws, taxis stopping, staring at us wondering what we were doing, commenting on us, uh, stalking us. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the police. Uh, so we got stopped by policemen and they started shouting at us. And they initially thought we were sex workers because uh, those are the only women who come out at night. Uh, because women from respectable so-called families do not come out at night for no purpose. Um, so they initially thought we were sex workers, but then they saw the way we were dressed or the way we were talking. They kind of figured that we are not sex workers. So they got very confused. And then they started threatening us with saying things like, give me your father's number. Does he know that you're outside? I'm going to call him up right now and tell him that your daughter is just walking on the road at one in the night. So we said, okay, fine. Here, take the number and call up and it's fine. So then, so then they got even more confused. Uh, so then they were like, what are you doing at one in the night outside? You should be at home. This is not safe for you. This is dangerous. So we were like, yeah, but you know, it just felt like coming outside. And, you know, look at these, all these men, they're also just hanging out outside and it's so nice. Uh, the moonlight is so pretty and it's so quiet and peaceful. They were like, yeah, but it's not safe. Uh, you know, if something happens, you'll come running to the police station to file complaints that, you know, I got raped or I got this or that. So we were like, yeah, you know, in a way you're right. But then what do you think is the solution? Is the solution to put women back into the homes or is there some other solution? So the police, uh, they kind of thought for a while and then they said, uh, you know, if they were like, Many, many, many women outside on the roads, everywhere in the city, then it would be safe. But you are just six of you, so it's not safe. So uh, basically, we said to the police that if you're going to put back into homes, the first six women who want to come out in the night and just loiter, how will there ever be hundreds of women? So that kind of made sense to them. And then they were like, okay, fine, go. Uh, but also that we never tell policemen or anybody else who stops us or harasses us that we are part of a campaign or we are part of a movement because that again becomes a justification. And I don't think that justification is required. We could just be women who just want to come out and loiter, which is also the reason why we don't have any branding. We don't have any t-shirts that say why loiter or we don't have any uh, badges or bags or anything because that's like, Again, you're 
again, justifying why you're outside. It's very interesting. You mentioned justifying why you're outside, but they, the police effectively wanted to get permission from your family to validate your being outside doing nothing. What was the reaction of your family uh, when you told them about your campaign and the extent to which they've been involved? Well, initially, it was very difficult for them to understand why we are doing this and why it's important. Uh, for many reasons, one, that it is actually unsafe and they do not want you know, their daughters to be involved in something that could actually be physically you know, dangerous for us. And secondly, the idea is like, how will one person doing something change the whole world? You know, just you going out on the road is not going to change the whole country. Um, so these were some of their apprehensions. So initially they did not understand and they did not even uh, appreciate it. Uh, but when they saw that um, a lot of women were joining and then it was getting covered by a lot of newspapers and, uh, you know, TV channels and then a sort of BBC covered it. So all these things kind of, you know, gave it more credibility. Okay, my daughter is doing something that's important that's, uh, that other people are appreciating. So it must be something good. At face value, women taking up space in public might not seem like a big deal to some, but clearly the reactions you've received allude to another truth altogether. Why do you think the people react the way they do when, they, when you're out loitering? I think because for so many years, uh, the sight of women in public spaces uh, has not been normal. Like there haven't been enough women outside doing nothing. Uh, women have always, uh, you know, used public space just as a, uh, as a, as, as a space that they need to get by, like from one private space to another. And then if there's a public space in the middle of that, then they need to navigate that, but not as a space which they own and which they are occupying, you know, just for pleasure and for leisure and for doing nothing. It's, it's never happened before. So the site is not normal. I mean, even for other women, forget men, even for children, even for men or for policemen or for women, this, this site has never been normalized. And now that in the last, uh, you know, seven to eight years that more and more women are talking about loitering in public spaces and occupying public spaces and reclaiming public spaces as spaces where we do not have to justify our presence at all. Um, it's obviously a shock uh, to the people who are looking at us because they have never seen it before. Um, but hopefully what will happen is that as the years go by and as we keep on loitering and being visible and not justifying our presence in public spaces that at some point, maybe 10 years down the line or 20 years down the line, uh, it will not be shocking for people to see women out doing nothing. Thanks. In, in the book, Why Loiter, the three authors made, and I quote, a case for loitering as a fundamental act of claiming public space and ultimately more inclusive citizenship. We believe the right to loiter for all has the potential to undermine public space hierarchies. What is the link for you, Neha, between claiming public spaces and more inclusive citizenship? So loitering mainly means that you are 
outside in public spaces that are free and open for all so when you go to a mall when you go to a restaurant when you go to a movie theater that's not loitering because you're going from one pi- private space which is your home into another private space which is the mall or the movie theater which pose themselves as public spaces but are actually private spaces and you are paying money to be there and you are paying money not just for the movie or for the dinner but also for your own safety when women go to malls they are also paying to feel comfortable to not be stared at to not be harassed but the case for loitering is that you need to do it in spaces which are free and open for everybody where you do not have to pay to be there where you do not have to buy something to be there so in that sense uh, there's a there's a sense of inclusivity in that because it's free and open for all and when in spaces that are free and open for all and all kinds of people are there regardless of gender class religion caste uh, economics when they see women in spaces like these doing nothing the sight becomes normal for people from across you know these demographies so which is why i think the right to loiter and the practice of loitering in public spaces uh, is so integral to the sense of inclusivity and uh, citizenship now how have you seen the why loiter movement grow over the years and how have you used social media to spread your message so um i find it very magical and very ironic that when i started i never thought that it's going to be a campaign or a movement i just wanted to do it for myself uh for my own internal change um but i feel like the power of the politics of loitering uh and women occupying public spaces is so powerful uh that uh, when i put up the photos it kind of grew organically and women just were drawn to it because it seemed like such a simple idea but such a political and such a powerful idea and also the fact that i think this is the first time that women's rights movement was based on fun and pleasure rather than anger and fear and i have to tell you just like on the side note is that often in south africa as what you explained happens in india there's there's often a a very loud and um visible reaction when something terrible happens right yeah. but in the meantime people are just trying to get by just trying to survive don't have the energy yeah. for and we have a lot of infrastructure problems here that i'm sure um we share with you and all of those things kind of get people down so it's actually really nice to hear about a joyful way in which you're uh, tackling a problem um yeah. and very inspiring yeah i i guess it's a, it uh, that's the only way to keep it sustainable because how yeah. long can you sustain anger yeah Yeah. No, it's draining. Yeah. When you talk about women loitering um in public spaces and possibly at midnight, how do you think the idea of safe space factors into that? Um do you think that a safe space for women is necessarily linked to gender equity? Absolutely. Because uh forget about public spaces, even private spaces. 
uh, are not safe for women. And in fact, there's a larger number of crime that happens in private spaces for women uh, than public spaces. And the crimes that happen to women in private spaces are underreported because this, those crimes are being committed by uh, relatives uh, and brothers and fathers and grandfathers and neighbors and teachers and coaches. And uh, women find it very, very difficult to go and even report that. And I have conducted a lot of workshops across schools and colleges and uh, institutions. And um, I ask uh, boys and girls of, you know, what they would term as like absolutely safe spaces in their lives. And for the boys, there are a lot of very, very safe spaces where they feel absolutely safe, like a hundred percent safe. But so far, I haven't uh, come across any girl in India who has given a hundred percent safety to any space, even if it's her own house, even if it's her own bedroom. So the idea of safety, physical safety is, is very, very different and it's extremely gendered. And uh, to make it safer, not just for women, but also for, uh, you know, the queer community, for the religious minorities, for the caste-based minorities, uh, for men who do not fall into the stereotype of, you know, a macho, strong man. Uh, even those communities, uh, spaces will become safer for them when spaces become safer for women. As you've pointed out, Neha, gender inequality is not just a women's issue. It's in fact a human rights issue that goes beyond women and girls. How do you think we need to shift our narratives and perspective to bring this awareness to everyone at every level of society? So I'll give you a very small example. Uh, when we started loitering, a lot of our men friends, uh, they kind of felt discriminated because they were like, oh, you, you women are having so much fun and you're loitering in the night and, you know, you're cycling and playing these games. And we feel like, uh, you know, we are being discriminated against. And uh, I was like, okay, if you want, uh, just on a whim, I said, like, if you want to join us, come dressed in skirts. And uh, they great. actually took it on. And they were like, okay, we'll come in skirts. So we actually designed a session called Walk Like a Woman, uh, where we invited anyone, uh, you know, from the whole gender and sexuality spectrum to come dressed in what is traditionally and typically called women's clothing. In India, at least, like so, like skirts, saris, salwar kameez, lehenga cholis, and you know, with full makeup and traditional makeup and bangles and anklets. And we got so many people. We got so many straight men, uh, people who are bi curious, bisexual, gay, uh, and just on the on the spectrum. And we were about 30, 40 of us who were on the Juhu Beach, which is like this really crowded beach. And all these men dressed in, you know, beautiful, colorful skirts and saris and salwar kameez. So I'm saying that sometimes, you know, you just try something and then it, it works. And it works in ways with that you had not imagined. That's a really uh, fantastic example of the collective power of showing up. And I keep mentioning this. Um, what role do you think that plays in helping us to build a more equitable society? 
so i feel that rather than just sitting you know in your uh, comfortable living rooms and discussing feminism and discussing gender rights it's so important to actually do it like to come out on the road and just walk because when you are walking you are internalizing your politics rather than just uh, intellectualizing it and i think that makes the whole difference and that's when the internal shift happens over years and years and years of doing it uh, which is what i often tell to also younger feminists who get uh, very taken up by you know numbers like we need to have big numbers like we need to get 10000 people on the roads with banners and slogans and candlelight marches which is also of course you need to do that when you know something happens and you need to protest that and you need to show your anger and your grief but what about after that because something on that scale where you have 10000 people on walking on the road you can organize it maybe once a year or twice a year but what are you doing on a daily basis and i think what uh you do on a daily basis uh towards a more equitable world is actually the thing that's going to be the strongest the most powerful and something that's going to make a change not not just to show to other people but actually inside you because we all have grown up with extreme amounts of conditioning and no matter how much we read and you know we discuss feminism and gender rights we are never able to actually get out of that conditioning that is so strong unless we practice it on a daily basis i think the idea of focusing as much on internal work as external demonstrations um of alignment with this idea is a really powerful idea so if it's required that each of us spend time and energy committing ourselves to the internal work then what does a world with gender equity look like it would be a world where everybody is constantly asking why because i think uh we some somewhere we stop questioning the things that we do and we just take it for granted and we just think this is how it's supposed to be or this is safe or this is what's best for me or this is least amount of conflict in my life but uh i think constantly for all of us to keep questioning no why why does it have to be like that why does it have to be like this why do i have to settle for this much why do i have to settle for this much am i not uh equal to a man so why should i settle for oh you can be out till 12 in the night and after that you come back home or if you want to go out at 2 in the morning then you know take your brother with you no i am not going to settle for anything less than 100% why indeed Um just stepping back from from the particular work that you're doing with the Why Lord Loiter movement I wanted to ask you what have you been able to gain from connecting with other change makers both at a national level and internationally as your work gains more popularity Um the one thing that I think I have sort of connected with uh, uh, with women and uh, people from across countries unfortunately is the fact that things are not very different for women across the world even in europe or america or you know india or pakistan things for women are pretty much the same they might look different a little bit superficially 
but deep down it's the same fears the same anxieties uh the same uh, inequality that we all face and the second connection i feel is that there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of desire to change the world and to not run away from it and not just to you know all just let me lead my life uh comfortably and let me forget about what the rest of the world is going through that's powerful my my second last question to you at the end of this conversation is about how you keep the passion alive the work you do as a change maker is taxing no doubt how do you keep the fire burning when things get overwhelming or get difficult as you walk this path so i think one of the main reasons is that it's a lot of fun when we loiter when we plan these activities they're all based on fun we are singing we are cycling we are dancing we are chatting we are eating we are sleeping you know so it's like that's my idea of a party anyway and i'm exercising my right to pleasure i'm exercising my right to taking risks which i anyway love to do so what i love to do is also what what i want to do to make a change in this world so it's it's absolutely amazing in that sense and secondly i never let the vision of the ideal world fade from my eyes ever you know so i know that this is not the ideal this is very 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 far away from how the ideal world should look like for women for men for everybody and uh, i'll i'll constantly keep doing uh, things that i do to try to bridge that gap between what is right now and what i want to see in this world definitely keeping it fun helps but you're right a lot of women share the same conditions all over the world um regardless of their status or class um or geographies lastly neha where can people connect with you and the work that you're doing should they want to learn more so we have an instagram page called uh, why loiter campaign uh there is also an instagram page of the book why loiter which is called why loiter uh we have a blog called uh, why loiter. blogspot.com where we keep uh, putting up our um uh, you know experiences of different sessions and we also invite other women from other parts of the world to contribute uh to the blog uh there is a facebook page called violator uh which is about the book as well as the campaign neha thank you so much for your time today and the way that you've shared your story and your work i've really been impacted by this idea of women being out in space um and being challenged on on why they are there that's quite a remarkable idea in 2022 um to think that you have to justify your presence <laughs> um and even get permission from family members really really um yes Uh, an incredible idea and i wish i could say i was surprised by it but living here in south africa which as you know also has um the unfortunate distinction of experiencing a lot of gender based violence against women against the vulnerable um those are attitudes that we also encounter quite often um but your story and the artifacts you've shared have have really right. encouraged me i think i might need to go out and ask my friends about us loitering over the weekend 
So thank you so much. And add to your Instagram page. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you should. <laughs> absolutely. And you should absolutely. It. And contribute to the campaign. Yeah, you should hashtag it while loiter. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, thank you for spending time with us this afternoon and for starting our season three off on this really amazing and important note. Um, and I wish you all the best as you continue your work. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me here. Thank you for tuning in to season three of the Just for a Change podcast, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. If you are interested in hearing more conversations with changemakers, then make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. If you've enjoyed this content, I'd also like to invite you to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast. And feel free to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. Let's stay inspired and keep changing the way we're changing the world. Be a little careful, they said. Wear your skirt a little longer. Your hair neatly tied. Don't talk to strangers and don't ever, ever smile. Just be a little careful. Don't sing or dance or laugh so loudly. Do not lie down on the grass. Sleep. Don't even think about it. Just be a little careful, my sweetheart. This world is full of wolves. And you, my precious jewel, you need to be safe, protected, preserved, treasured. Just won't you, can't you, be a little more careful. Talk a little less. Don't be so adventurous. Don't take risks. Don't run in your sports bra. Don't get wet in the rain. Don't sit on that park bench. Just don't loiter. This world is full of dangers and you are responsible for your own safety. Just be a little careful. Just be a little small. Just be a little nervous. Just be invisible. And I am saying this because I love you, of course. All this is for your own good. So you were all these things for all your life because they loved you and they were wise. So did it help? Were you safe? Did no one violate your safe space? If your answer is no, let's get together and try something new. From today on and every day, don't be so careful. Don't be so nervous. Don't be so small. Don't be responsible. Sing and dance and laugh and talk. Say hello to strangers. Lie down on that green grass. Run as fast as you want or sleep for as long as you want. Sit on that pavement and read that book. Go out in the day and in the night, alone or together. Embrace your village, your city, your country, your space, yours, as much as it is anyone else's and you are not responsible for your own safety. 
question, engage, demand that your city be safe unconditionally for you. Ask for more street lights, public toilets, public transport, sensitive police, everything and anything that will make you feel safe. Whether you dress modest or bold, whether you were together or alone, whether you were drunk or stoned, whether you were loud or small, whether you were risking it or not, whether, 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 it doesn't matter. Loiter. Without reason, without explanation, without justification. Loiter without conditions because it is joy unconditional, because it is fun unconditional, because to experience joy without even a hint of fear is a basic human right and that, my sweetheart, must be ours unconditionally. <laughs>